Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. If you haven't already heard the big news, here it is. On April 1st, we will be officially changing the name of this podcast to the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. If you're subscribed, you don't need to do anything on your end except be on the lookout for some new album art and our new name. If you aren't subscribed, Now would be a great time to do that so that you don't need to remember to find us under our new name, the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. Once we roll out the Pure Life Ministries Podcast, I'll be explaining why we made this change and announce some other changes coming that I think you'll really find to be a blessing. All of that will happen when we release our first episode on April 1st under the new name, the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. All right, that's it for now. Here's the episode. The way that my wife and I, we look at handling the kids is almost you're discipling them as you go. Whatever activity we're doing, we just try to all band together and do it. There's a need for me to not be like pushing my child towards the cross. It makes a lot more sense for us to walk there together. If you've been raised in church, the picture of God as a father is very familiar. Like any good father, God has compassion on us. He trains us and he disciplines us. Now, if God uses the word father to explain his relationship to us, it's clear he has very high expectations for fatherhood. What a shame that the portrayal of fathers in the media is often one of a clueless idiot who is the source of strife and pain in his family's life rather than the noble, self-sacrificing man that God intends him to be. Today we look at the biblical role of a father, and we'll do it by talking to two men whose lives were once defined by ungodliness, but are now learning to raise children God's way. Thanks for joining us today on Purity for Life. So when we were thinking about doing this series, I stopped by and talked to your pastor, Jeff Cologne, who's been a pastor for probably at least six years now, I'm guessing, and was a biblical counselor for 20 at Pure Life. And so originally I went there just to ask him um, how he thought we might be able to use some of Pure Life's materials to help a kid. Like, could a parent take at the altar of sexual idolatry, read it, distill some of those truths, and then help their kid. And he came back with a totally different answer than I was expecting. He just started talking to us about the need for fathers, for a father to be involved in the life of their children. And he said that if a parent comes to him asking for help with the children, the first thing he and his wife Rose typically do is start discipling the parents. He said basically it's indispensable, that role in the children's life. So I figured, well, let's talk to a couple talk to a couple fathers. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. I want to start off just by maybe each of you could give a snapshot of your family life, how old your kids are, how you do schooling, what kinds of things you like to do for fun. Just a basic overview. I'll start with you, Joe. Okay, well... My kids are nine. I have a nine-year-old girl, 
a six-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy, and they all homeschool. Okay. So my wife um, is amazing at taking care of all the schooling, and we love to hike and camp and spend a lot of time on the property, uh, taking care of animals. We pretty much do all all the stuff together. So okay. we're together. That's yeah. pretty much the um, anything we're doing, they're doing, and pretty much anything they're doing, we're involved in. So that okay. whether that's at church or whether that's at um, home, we're we're really working on the property often. So we're remodeling a house, and they're very much a part of that, um, and they're very much a part of the garden and the chickens and everything. So that's what we do, Josh. Well, um, I have a 14-year-old daughter. She just turned 14. And she goes to, uh, she's in middle school, last year of middle school. And my son, he is uh, 12. And then my youngest daughter, she is 10. Okay. So she's in last year of elementary school. Okay. Um, it wasn't strategic to have the boy in between the two girls. <laughs> For protection, it just it worked out that way. And yeah, he, and he seems like he's gonna be a big boy, so it's good. But I would say, um, you know, our family's uh, pretty much kind of the same way. Like everybody's involved all the time. Okay. So whatever is gonna get done, and whether it's a Saturday and we're gonna clean out, you know, mom's van or something like that, everybody's cleaning out mom's van. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. Hey, we're cleaning up the house. Everybody's cleaning up the house. Mm -hmm. As far as just uh, getting together, spending time and stuff, um, we try to make it a point as much as possible. It doesn't happen all the time, maybe three to four times a week, but making sure that we're eating dinner together and um, really talking with them. I mean, we spend a lot of time just hanging out and talking, and especially the age they're at right now, because really the the job that – the way that my wife and I, we look at handling the kids is almost mm-hmm. you're, you're discipling them as you go. It's just whatever activity we're doing, we just try to all band yeah. together and do it. So That's the – I've talked to both of you. I've talked to Adam and Shelley Gardner. I've talked to another uh, graduate and his wife. And that's the common thread that I keep on hearing is we do everything together. And the time element is, I think – the thing that would be the most challenging, that it requires a lot of time to effectively parent. Yeah. Let me talk about now the biblical role of a father, how you see yourselves as father, and specifically how you see what the Bible says about being a father, because I think probably a lot of parents have been heavily influenced by what psychology says a a parent should be or a father should be. So like when you think about being a father, how do you see it scripturally? Joe? Scripturally, I look, I mean, God often brings me to the way that he fathers me. So Mm -hmm. that's that's the, the most typical thing is he will consistently bring me to the way he's patient with me mm-hmm. or the way he's merciful to me or the way he disciplines me for my good. Um, all, all those places, um, I think that he will correct me um, because my flesh will rise up mm-hmm. being a father and wanting to look out for myself. 
so he'll he'll typically remind me of um, the way he continually has to engage me. Mm. So meaning like when you see how he treats you, that becomes a model for how you want to treat your kids. Right. And I do that well sometimes and not so well <laughs> other times. Right. So, you know, um, it, those things are happening at the same time. Yeah. Mostly. So he'll, I'll have to go back and apologize, you know, yeah. for not being the way he is to me. So, do you find that vulnerability with your kids is more of a blessing to them rather than, you know, because it's like almost the American ideal of a man, no weakness, never get anything wrong. But now you're saying, I regularly have to tell my kids I was wrong. Yeah, when I was thinking about it, I was, there's a need for me to not be like pushing my child towards the cross. It makes mm. a lot more sense for us to walk there together. Mm. You know, like mm. it's not like you need the Lord, you need the Lord. It's we we come there together in need. Um, and I do that by sharing my failures, whether mm. it's with them or whether it's at work or whether it's from my past. I'm very consistently relating to what I'm speaking with them out, out of my own failures. Yeah. And and sharing from that both of our need for the cross, for mm. what, the work of Christ, for the power of the Spirit, whatever it is at that time, it's always been a better conversation when I'm not forcing them alone mm. to the cross. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> where yeah. it's like where, where we get to come there together yeah. in need. Josh, what about you as far as biblical role of a father? Um, I mean... Ultimately, I would I would say that, I mean, we're called to be priests of our homes. Mm -hmm. So you almost have to look at it like you are pastoring a church filled with your wife and your kids. Wow. Constantly. Wow. I mean, that's that's your job. Yeah. And Americanized version of a dad is, hey, you go to work, make money, come home, feed everybody. When you get home, you know, mom will cook supper. And you can just sit down right, and right. relax and, you know, because you've worked so hard. Mm. Um, whereas the Bible tells us, like, it's not – it's always like an instruction to a father. You know, fathers, don't embitter your children. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Fathers, you know, we are the ones that are called then to – the ultimate responsibility comes back on us. You know, we're, we're the head, you know, yeah. just under – Christ. We're submitting to Christ, but we're still the head of that house. So being that head, any failures and stuff in your family is going to come back. It's your failure mm. as a father. So the vulnerability side of it is being, for, I mean, every good leader that you are going to see is quickly to admit faults, failures. So if they're not getting the job done, either one, you're not communicating the objective, um, or you're not building them up and giving them any kind of encouragement to complete the right, objective. Right. So it comes down to fathers. I see the biblical role is that the buck stops here. That if my family is failing, then it's I have to start looking at my own walk mm -hmm. then of like where am I lacking at? And then being upfront and honest on, hey, listen, I'm I'm letting you all down. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I think that it just comes down to that point. I guess fathers out there that are sitting there like, oh my goodness, that's a lot. 
You know, I can't be a pastor. You know, hey, bud, do you trust in God or not? Mm. You have to get simplistic. You know, sometimes we get too complicated with Christianity. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I think that's, I think that would be helpful because um, just maybe for some father who's hearing this and saying, man, I haven't been doing that. I haven't been seeing things that way. Like what you're saying is there's just got to be a simple acknowledgement. This is the truth. I've got to start walking this way. I mean, because, I mean, one thing I recognize as a leader is that I'm a leader whether or not I want to be or not. And then it just comes down to I'm either doing a good job or I'm doing a bad job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't get to choose if I'm going to be a leader today or not. Um, As far as discipling your kids, walking with them when things come at them that are trying to lead them away from God. Can you just talk about how you how you do that maybe or what that looks like to disciple a child through various things? I think we pursue it much the same way that, that Josh spoke of, where if you're involved in, in your children's life, you're going to get daily opportunity to disciple mm-hmm. them. So for us, it, it could be any sort of situation, but as much as possible, point that situation back to the promises of God. You know, So God has all sorts of things to say about our lives, the way we should live You know, in nearly every circumstance. So mm-hmm. when my children are treating each other poorly or treating other people poorly, we are going to focus on defining it the way God does. So, mm. you know, being sure that that I'm using, you know, without getting super Christianese, um, a definition that's actually biblical. So Can you're you give being, an example? Um, yeah, so you're being unloving. So if we're to treat other people uh, as more important than ourselves or put other people's interests ahead of our own, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. as simple as that. Like you can look into many situations, especially with children where they're looking out for themselves. Yeah. You know, they they want what's mine and they want mm-hmm. um, this thing now. Um, so, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about, you know, being prideful or, or, or not putting, you're putting yourself ahead of others. Yeah, yeah. Or being unloving or all those other situations. And, and for kids, often it's sometimes as simple as um, like James talks about where, you did what you knew you should not do. And what's that called? Well, it's it's sin. Yeah. You know, and then I think it's nearly always appropriate. It's, it's an opportunity to go to the cross with your child. I, I, you know, for me, I don't fully always trust where my children are at with the Lord. So I'm going to bring them to that place where they understand why Jesus had to die. Um, and, and not in every, absolutely every situation, but sometimes it's just right to remind them the mm-hmm. consequences of sin mm-hmm. um, and the payment of sin. Like I said, not in every situation, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's actually a fairly common conversation at, at our house. So I, I try to define things biblically um, because there are, there are answers to biblical mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stuff and not get lost in you know worldly definitions. Um, and then also talk about the realities of sin. Uh, because those come along with the promises of God. Yeah, you know, yeah. there are promises for following them, and there's promises for what you do when you walk away. It's important to share those things ahead of time. 
Yeah. Because we can rely on the fact that they're going to come out like God said they're going to. Mm-hmm. And they're going to feel that way um, as they begin to drift. And I uh, imagine my children might drift, mm. you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to have already told them what it's going to look like when they do that. Yeah. You know, and then they can also believe the alternative, what it can look like when I then return and repent and turn to God. Mm. Josh? I know just uh, personally, just with my kids and how we do it, is that open line of communication, whether good, bad, or ugly, we're going to talk about it. In that, you start knowing your kids. So with them, they've, they've been brought up in church. They've been brought up in children's church. And the common misconception is that people bring their kids to church and then let the Sunday school teacher teach them yeah, about yeah. Jesus, right? Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, then, you know, you get in the car ride home and, oh, what'd you learn about in Sunday school? And, okay, all right, that's great. And then the whole rest of the week, you you have parents not talking to their kids. Mm. As far as the discipleship, it's as simple as it is with anybody. You know, you have a relationship and then you have to pour into that relationship. You have to reach out. You have to talk with them about, hey, what went on at school? Mm. Hey, mm. you got to know who they're talking to. If those kids are, you know, hey, do they believe in God? Do they believe in the Bible? Do they right, believe in right. Jesus? I mean, ask those questions. And then, I mean, it's almost like you can keep a tally of then if they start communicating more with somebody who's, you know, not a Christian or anything. I mean, so it's like, and I'm not saying to control them, but it's to make sure there's that open line. Yeah. So when they try to close that line off, then you start poking and prodding at that yeah, line. Yeah, you know but, something's going on. Because my kids now, I mean, it's, you know, going into middle school and stuff like that and just school period, mm-hmm. how it is, we have plenty to talk about mm-hmm. because it is a complete opposite view of God's view. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to be on guard for that, mm-hmm. but then you still can combat it. I mean, because God's word, I mean, is there and is true. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the bigger part of it is that I more bring up those things and apply biblical things yeah. to different problems. Yeah. You know, just like Joe was saying, you you have to do that and then have to show them, you know, to give a kid a Bible and say, here you go, read it. Right. Right. You you have to show them and then show them where it's at. Um, for instance, my son loves playing baseball, loves to pitch, but you'll see, and I mean, being a pitcher, is there's a lot of pressure. So, I mean, he had trouble. I mean, he would just get so nervous, so anxious and just be, he'd get on the mound, very talented, but then one thing go wrong and it was just like crumbled. So... I mean, in there, just bringing up the passage, Luke twelve twenty two. I'm like, hey, look, this is what Jesus says about worrying, mm-hmm. you know, and made it relatable of just uh, Jesus talking about, hey, the birds of the air, they don't worry about anything, right? So I tell mm-hmm. him like, hey, bird, bird poop on a windshield is always a reminder that God's still providing for birds. So, so <laughs> much more does he provide for you. And then you saw, and he saw a noticeable change when not only did he read it, but then believed it. Mm. Well, I'm also wondering about maybe some other things that make it difficult to be a father because, 
I mean, the more I talk to fathers, it's like there's just this thing in my mind that's like you don't get a life of your own if you want to be a successful dad. You don't get to, well, I want to be awesome at this career and then I want to have all these hobbies and I want to have time for myself. Like you just don't get it. You can do that if you want kids that don't have a father essentially, you know, um, are there other things that, that try to, or are there other things that kind of tempt you away from your role as a father besides just, you know, your life? I think it's easy to fool yourself with good things, like trying to, like, oh, it's my job to take care of my, my children or my job to keep them safe and my job to do these things in which it is, but it begins to pull, pull me away from this trusting God to do a lot of those things, mm. you know, so um, I can get myself worked up or um, overcommitted or mm, mm. Um, all different sorts of things or fearful mm. uh, when I'm trying to step in God's seat in some way I'm not supposed to. Um, and in many ways, he does use me to do those things, but he is the ultimate source of provision and protection and, mm. you know, in control of my children's hearts and mm. all of those things. If someone's going to change their heart, it's going to be him. Yeah. You know, and I think I'm going to do this great lesson on what God has to say and it just, they're going to get it. And it's not really, you know, the way it works out. <laughs> but I'm still called to do that. Right. And I'm still so called to step into that and I'm still called to do many of those things, but I have to trust for God to fulfill his promises. Yeah, yeah. It's up to him to deliver. So I have to watch out that I'm not getting caught up in um, the outcomes of the okay. things God has called me to okay. walk in faithfully. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that makes sense. What about you, Josh? I mean, it's it's the same thing of just trusting the Lord with your kids. I mean, you you're there to take care of it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like, you know, God has placed us, his creation, he's placed us in here and have dominion, right? Mm -hmm. Places to be these caretakers of the earth. But ultimately, I mean, you can't step in the way of their creator. So only God can sometimes give some lessons and sometimes you have to let lessons play out, uh, you know, right. and um, just know when to shut up, mm. you know, sit back and I don't need to say a word right now. They're mm -hmm. getting ready to find out what's going to happen. And you have to do it. It's painful. The more of a relationship you have with your kids, the, the more heartbreaking it is to then see mm. them, you know, go through hard things. Right. But... It's just like even with my kids having to go through some of the crazy stuff like at school and be exposed to this crazy things, crazy things that people are saying, these crazy ideas. I mean, I think my, my daughter was in third grade and she had another girl ask her if she wanted to be her girlfriend, like girlfriend, girlfriend, not just like friends that are girls, like girlfriend. Wow. Because she was openly saying, hey, yes, I'm, you know, I'm homosexual. And it was her mom, you know, the same girl's mom, homosexual. Yeah. I mean, just being brought up in that, you know, that girl doesn't know anything else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, um, you know, having to sit down there, you know, with a third grader and here we're going to have to have this talk. Yeah. But I would rather her have this talk with me and me be able to explain it in 
you know, a biblical way. Yeah. Um, and what God's view of it is. Yeah. Really, as a father, you're there fostering that relationship with God. It's it's still it's that my approach has always just been that uh, pastoring and you are leading the flock within your own walls. Yeah. I'm just, I guess, lucky through my faults. They've been able to see what repentance and what grace um, and humility, they're able to see those things. Part of being a pastor is preparing people for what they're going to face in life. And I want to talk about something that you touched on, which is just preparing your kids for that day when they see something, hear something, maybe like even hopefully not, but experience something that is sexual in nature. What do you what do you guys think the best way to prepare them is? I I think that probably like always, I don't today today is no different than it probably used to be in in certain ways. I mean, there used to be temples of very interesting worship, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so way, right? it's good to begin to speak with your children in ways about their bodies, about their design, about who made them and why he made them that way. So having those conversations is not a bad thing. If they don't hear it from you, they're going to hear it from someone else. And um, so uh, you want to be the one shaping that and pointing them towards uh, the Word and towards God. And um, I think in that, when those things happen, and they will, it's not like if they're going to happen, they will happen, even within the church body, (laughs) you know, like that is going to happen. You're not, if you homeschool, if you take them just to church and don't do anything, you know, they're still going to be engaged and and, and come into contact with some sort of perversion, you know, some sort of thing physically or just by sight, it will affect them in a a pretty serious and impactful way, especially as they get older. Mm -hmm. And um, so you just, I, I think that we are pursuing having those conversations with them in an increasing detail as they get older. Okay. You know, there's absolutely no way you could be normally in church that reads the Bible or reading the Bible around your children without coming across sexual things. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> so yeah, the Old if, Testament's got some interesting things to say. Yeah, so if if you're reading the Bible around your house or they're in a, in a church body where the Bible's read, you're going to have to answer questions about sex and it's a good thing to open those lines of communication as early as possible, you mm. know. Mm-hmm. And um, and kids in general are going to engage in curious sorts of behaviors with each other, with other children. It's like, no, you're really not supposed to touch each other's bottoms, and this is why. You know, I mean, these things are just really common mm. in, in parenting and in and around other children. So you get to have those conversations just by having life, like any other discipling moment. You don't want to freak out about it. You know, you don't want to blow it up into the biggest thing. Um, but keep that that line of communication open and safe mm-hmm. and continually point them to the promises of God for the walking in righteousness in that way and the, the alternative. Mm. You know, telling them things ahead of time yeah, before yeah. they happen. Right. So that uh, 
they can know what to expect from God's word. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was it was pretty much in the same situation when my youngest daughter was in third grade that pretty much like we really started laying a lot of stuff out for them. Um, okay. But it's it's laid out in terms of like world's view and God's view, mm. biblical view, and laying those things out, you know, especially my son going into because it's almost like my my two daughters really are just still even my 14 year old is just like boys are dumb I'm like <laughs> they are dumb <laughs> yeah they're really dumb right um so she's still in in that mode but at the same time we still speak the same terms of like hey listen you're two years and you're gonna be able to date and go on dates and stuff and you're gonna have boys that are gonna break up with you because you don't want to have sex before you're married. Mm. You know, you're going to be ostracized. You're going to have people saying you're weird. I mean, because I think that if I was going to punch you in the face right now and then I told you it's coming, at least you could kind of build yourself up to it, right? <laughs> yeah. Instead I don't of think just there'd be any preparing it me. Just, or just <laughs> getting, bam, socked right in the mouth. I mean, usually that's more startling, you know? Yeah. So, um, Laying those things out in world's view, God's view, um, specifically, you know, changes in the body and lust and, Mm -hmm. you know, having these hormones and understanding like, yes, your body's generating a lot of hormones right now. This is what's happening and this is why this is happening. And um, but specifically with my son is not getting sucked into the view of that. Hey, pornography is okay. Yeah. You know, or yeah, this is just what everybody does Mm -hmm. or yeah, well, everybody, yeah, it's so common. Everybody masturbates and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Not allowing him to get sucked in that view. You know, my dad, and this is not a knock on my dad or anything, but like we never had that talk. Yeah. You yeah. know, why? Because it's uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> as uncomfortable as uncomfortable can be, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but having those talks and preparing him uh, specifically because, yeah, you're as a man, you're going to be ostracized uh, that you're not indulging in those things. And really, it comes back down to faults and failures and telling him of, hey, look, this is where I failed, mm. you know, because I bought into that and I bought into, oh, yeah, I'm going to lift weights and be manly because if I can lift a lot of weights and stuff, yeah, people are going to think I'm so such a man. And it's just not – true it's it's trying to instill in him like hey this is this is what a man looks like in god's eyes Mm. you know and it's it's more about courage strength and you know you're standing on what god believes in being humble and being vulnerable when you prepare them for that and they know it going in and they're choosing they're you know you can tell like i'm still choosing to stand Mm -hmm. you know on god's word despite what happens Yeah, and I want to close on something because I know a little bit about your backstory, Josh, and I know a lot about yours, Joe. Um, And there was a time when you guys were not living according to God's word, and now you are. Can you just talk about the contrast? I think specifically about, you know, there's this thing out there that's like, if I can do what I want, that's total freedom. That's going to be happiness and joy. And living according to God's word, that sounds rigid and and 
boring or, and constrictive and all that. Can you just talk about what you've experienced from then till now? Yeah, I, I guess there's a lot of levels to that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> How long a show is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess simply... It's, it's easy to look back and see the pain and the lack of joy and mm -hmm. the, um, the way I was just so quick to put myself first and how little that ever got me. Mm. <laughs> like, and how quick, I mean, I walked away from my family. I walked away from them, said, I don't want that, you mm. know? And to be having God give it back and then begin to use my life even despite all of that just for the moments where I know that I'm where God wants me and he has given me the opportunity to share truth or mm. to walk out just even a momentary just conversation with someone about him or just to not even have said anything about him but know that I was supposed to be where I was just to help someone and to be there. That is, those have been amazing moments in my life mm. um, that would have had no opportunity <laughs> if I was continuing to uh, follow my own desires. You know, there's that, because that my desires are, they want to run from all of that stuff. Still, there's still parts of me that just want to go and yeah you know serve me right and um but when he enables me not to do that and to be somewhere else because i know he wants me to be there and doing things that i know he wants me to do he's given me amazing intimate moments out of a relationship with him that will move me into the next act of obedience because yeah. it's not always easy i mean it's it's always difficult in some way to lay down what I want to do and go do something else. Hmm. So and as a father, that's all the time. I mean, hmm. you're very often going to be feeling like you're doing something you don't really want to be doing. Hmm. But the results and knowing that you're doing what God wants you to do and those intimate moments that um, you know he's moving through you um, for a work that he's called me to is is worth it. Well, um, I guess my wife and I, like, you know, because I, I would say that, you know, the first part of them growing up, like probably Joe's kid's age, you know, until about, you know, eight, nine or ten, you know, I wasn't living for the Lord. However, there was still, there was still structure in the home. There was still discipline in the home. You know, here we're going to go to church and stuff like that. The noticeable difference I think that my kids saw was more so as far as not being so self-indulged. Now I'm all up in their business, <laughs> you oh, know, okay, okay. all the time. And then also, too, like seeing joy in my life and seeing brokenness, you know, because my kids were of age where they all really understood when me and my wife had divorced in 2016 and then to be able to see the struggle and where that left me, choosing, you know, sin over 
you know, my family and what God's called me to do and or even just God's call on my life. Yeah. But choosing, hey, I'm I'm gonna serve me right now. Mm. And then seeing where that left me at. You yeah. know, and still I guess one of the most memorable moments was my youngest, you know, she was talking about a time in which like I had taken like I think uh Jan Jana had come in to pick him up. You know, during like I had them for the weekend and then she was coming to pick them up and she had to come back inside. And literally like every single time, you know, because it wasn't like I didn't have any relationship with my kids or I was didn't love them or anything else. But I was just self-absorbed and self-centered. So she remembers coming back in the house after she went outside with mom, but she comes back in the house. And I was I was just bawling, crying. But it was only because like. Every single weekend, that's what it was. Every single weekend. So it was still, and I apologize, it's still like almost painful. But anyway, like, so having that and her still, I mean, it's almost like she loves to get a response. But her being able to see it, but then also like through it, all of it still I guess uh, there's like no embodiment of grace, mercy, compassion um, that kids could see besides seeing like what like we went through in that time frame. Mm-hmm. So I think to learn because it was a greater work by far, I, I look at it because it was real easy for me to see like I was wrong. It was easy for anybody to see why, you know, I was wrong, but it was a greater work for them to see God working in my wife's life and seeing grace and mercy and those things. Because, I mean, even in churches, like we still sometimes condone, you know, like it's a justified bitterness, you know, she's she or he yeah they're allowed all you've been through they're allowed to be bitter because Mm -hmm. it's okay it's okay for you to be you know speak down to that person because of what they did and yeah you know they just need to know and stuff like that so it, it was a greater it was a greater thing i mean what better thing could your kid see yeah her taking you back and then just man what yeah that is amazing to yeah, they're seeing the gospel. Yeah. Like in flesh and blood. Yeah. Not just talked about, but lived. And that is incredible. And I think the backdrop, too, of what you guys just shared makes it all the more remarkable that um, you know what it, you guys both know very clearly what it means to fail as a father. And, but to to have the Lord renew so much and begin to teach you. So this isn't a thing of, we were just great dads from the beginning because we just got this thing down. It's no. like, it was all the Lord, his Holy Spirit, his grace, his mercy. And I think that'll be a really in- good encouragement for people. So thank you guys for coming in. Thanks. Thank you. Each time Patrick and I have sat down to talk with a different parent, it's always been really encouraging and convicting and neither of us even have children. It's incredible because we see the joy in each parent's heart and we see the determination 
to do whatever it takes to help lead their child to Christ, despite how difficult that is in our day and age. I've been challenged by the selflessness required to be a good parent, the constant demand to give of themselves if they're going to do the job right. And I trust that if you've been challenged, you've also been encouraged by Joe and Josh's example because their lives show that even men who are doing it all wrong can find the right path by repentance and faith in Jesus. And God is no respecter of persons. He can do the same thing in you and through you if you need it. That's all for today. We'll see you next week as we wrap up our series for parents. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.